0: That was forty five minutes of technical issues. Forty eight. Forty eight. Can you hear me loud and clear now? I can, yeah. And you yeah, you sound normal ish. <laughs> more yeah, more normal than that high pitched squeaking <laughs> that sped was Very up. funny. <laughs> but, uh, what did you think of it when you listened to that? it? Yeah. I thought I thought you were just going a bit mad. And then I listened to it back and I realised why you were pissing yourself so much and it was pretty amusing, to be fair. Oh,
1: it's still got me now.
0: I will yes. include, I'll include some of that audio at the end of the podcast. Yeah. But, yeah, this this is it. Every, I don't know, if, it feels like we've had audio issues on this podcast ever since minute one. Do you remember recording in the Ball Street Studios where the equipment was really, really good but... You'd, you'd get to the studio at like nine o'clock at night and someone's taken the cable with them to a shoot. So we'd have to record it on our phones or something. I do, yeah. I remember hunting
1: around for trying to find the cable. And, yeah, there's always been something.
0: There has all those nights where you'd turn up at like half nine and I'd been in the pub since half six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slightly different technical issues there. <laughs> slightly, yes, yeah, very, very different. And come off and go, That's the best, this is the best one we've yeah. ever done. <laughs> I like a craft beer. I I don't I hate craft no that's sweet yeah yeah but no but that's where
1: the place around the corner was all craft isn't it It oh
0: god that one pretty punchy to be fair I think we recorded yeah I'm trying to I'll have to go back and listen to that podcast that was the first was it the first Christmas yeah it must have been Christmas in the first season so we've been doing it a couple of months and I can't remember if we did we have beers together or I just been down a pub on my own I think we were due to
1: meet at the studio. I got mm. there and messaged you, and you said, I'm round the corner. So, yeah, I went round the corner, and I think you were uh, possibly sort of five, five and a half deep by
0: that point. <sighs> yeah. And then we got locked out of the studio as well with my house keys and stuff in it, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Dear me. yeah. Horrendous stuff. There was lots of, yeah, lots of things. But now here we are doing this, however many miles apart we are now, 20-odd miles apart. And hopefully it sounds good. (laughs) Sorry, I'm still laughing at that voice. (laughs) Well, well, Dan composed himself. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. (laughs) It has been a, if you're looking at it positively, a mixed bag for the regions this weekend. There's been some pretty awful stuff in there. But I, I don't know, hopefully we'll try and come up with a few answers this time around rather than just wallowing. You're in a good mood, Dan, if nothing else, because you're laughing at the high-pitched, <laughs> the high-pitched noises that I've been making. So hopefully you're going to be able to be a, a little ray of sunshine on this. Unfortunately, yet again, we've had loads and loads of questions come in, which is just superb because it does, one, it makes our job a lot easier, I'm not going to lie. But two, it means that we're talking about, on the podcast, we're talking about the things that, you want to talk about rather than just what we think is important. So that's great. Hopefully it's a, a more democratic process, which is good. So how do you want to do this, Dan? Do you want me to fire through the questions or do you want to do it? Yeah, do you want to throw you... some questions at me? What, what were you thinking?
1: Yeah, fire out the questions and then we'll just um, we'll just divvy them up, shall we, as we go along. What All right, fine.
0: Yeah. Let us do that. Before we do that, of course, quick Word for our sponsors, as always, at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get your hands on some great coffee, then you can do that at SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. Right, let us start with this one, which has been tweeted in by simply simply Jones, uh, which is uh, which is nice and simple. Not many Joneses in Wales, uh, but it says who will be Wales's bottom region this year. Deal with that one, Dan. Oh, Stiff competition great. at the moment. But. Yeah, great one to to start there.
1: I mean, dragons have had a had a good start, haven't
0: they? So, I would say signs of encouragement. Certainly, let's not go let's not go mad. I think we're going to get into the dragons in a bit more detail, certainly. But yeah, some encouraging signs, some good yeah, stuff probably, But let's not go mad. It was, you know. Was, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with the. With, I'm happy with my line of a good start. I think. I, I, think I think it's been encouraging. Yeah, certainly. Ospreys have it that's been dire, hasn't it? It's been a really yeah, tough start for them. Yeah, the the, wor- the
1: worst start imaginable, really. So that doesn't look good at all. Blues, Blues have had a poor start, and Scarlet's uh, Scarlet's are looking. You know, they, they, they've 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 gone fairly well, haven't they? They're looking decent, looking shape. pretty rosy. So, for me at the moment, I would say it's got to be the Ospreys, isn't
0: it? As it stands mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, I mean, based on, but it's it's a funny start to the season, isn't it? Because you've got Rugby World Cup, of which out of the four sides, the Dragons are the least affected, and yeah. then you've got, although to be fair, you know, the least affected in terms of numbers. But to be fair, they are always going to miss players of the the quality of Elliot D and Moriarty and players like that. But then you've you've also got this kind of rest period now where the players are kind of being ushered back in. So it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Just to base it on the start of the season. But yeah, certainly it's been really, really poor. I would, looking at that Osprey squad, I think, as we said last week, you would expect them to be doing better. And I think it's the manner of the defeats. That's really, really disappointing for them. And I include the, the one at Saracens this weekend. I don't know if you saw that one, Dan, but it was, they were never in the game, you know, from minute one. There was just too many basic errors in there. And I know for all the injuries and the lack of internationals, um, there was enough in that side to say, well, we're going to go out there and give it a damn good stab. So it really, really was a a poor showing. So at the moment, it, it does look that way. Kind of blue second half. Yeah, if they play like that again throughout the rest of the season, they they won't be far off there. Dragon squad is paper thin, so I, I think at the moment it's safe to say that the scarlets look like the ones in best nick, and then out of the others, there's there's a hell of a lot of work to be done. While the dragons are improving, there's so much to improve on from previous seasons. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it depends based... on whether you call it at the moment, doesn't it? If mm. you, know, you know on,
1: on current on current form, then I think you'd have to go with with, with the ospreys. But the the ospreys are going to have a lot of. In, you know, a lot of quality players going back into that into that squad.
0: Well, that leads us on to the next question, actually, which is from Richard. Needs will the returning internationals change the fortunes, or is it going to be a bleak year? He says, my gut feel is that they will all improve. What do you think, Dan?
1: Yeah, I feel they'll all improve. They? I mean, there's lots of players to come back into to the scarlets, um, to the to the ospreys and the blues as well. If we take injuries into into mm. um, if we you know, throw that into the question as well. Um, there's not as many at the Dragons, but yeah, undoubtedly when the when the you know the calibre of some of these players come back into the side, it'll make a big difference. It? We saw that with with the Ospreys last year; they were a totally different side with Tipperick and Adam and Jones in there. You know, not mentioning any other players. So yeah, yeah they were.
0: They were definitely. There's there's just something about the Ospreys at the moment that, that's really concerning. I think it's more than just players not being there at the moment. I think they need to turn the corner. There's, It's just when there's, when there's that many basic errors, you worry about it. And then it was just too easy for Saracens, as great a side as they are. And they, you know, the fair amount of people missing themselves, not to mention all the off-field things that are going on there. You'd have really hope that the Ospreys would be going there, looking to at least impose themselves on the game. And if they're not able to get a result get themselves in it, you know, get a bit of a bloody nose. It's, it's almost like a bit of a mismatch in terms of a, you know, me, Dan, I love a, I love an analogy with different sport. So it's almost like a bit of a mismatch in terms of a boxing about this. You know, you've got Saracens who are the, the heavyweight champions there and, and the Osprey's going in as the underdogs, but at the very least, you want to, you want to land a few big punches and draw a bit of blood, you know, get a, get them on the ropes every now and again. And it just, it it never felt like that was going to be the case. So it feels like, it feels like they've got a hell of a lot of work to do there. And that's, that's got to be done in, in addition to, to the players returning, which, which will undoubtedly make a difference. But well, whenever you've got major off field,
1: you know, antics going on, they're going to feed through onto the pitch, aren't they? And the same could, could be said for the blues probably. So it's, yeah, I mean, there's, yep.
0: there's clearly things happening aren't there at the Ospreys and it just, it kind of shows in the performances, I would say. But surely there's no club in the world. That's got more going on off field than Saracens right now. And they seem to, to turn out and with a, you know, a, admittedly not a full strength side, but by no means a weak side, we're able to blow the Ospreys away. So yes, their strength in depth is always going to be, but there's a lot of kids playing for that. You know, you've got, You've got, uh, you know, however old the outside half was, 20 years old. They really, to me, look like. But they've still got that. Yeah, they've they've still got that culture, haven't they? That Mm -hmm. that
1: has been talked about. Yeah. You know, the Germans have been banged about the culture down at Saracens for years and years, and that's still there. And if anything, it might make them come together, become even tighter, whereas it's, it's the opposite of the Ospreys, isn't it? It's. It's, sh- it's completely shattered, and you've got Alan Clark under immense pressure, and he's, mm. he's, you know, he's doing the job of, he's trying to do the job of, of of three specialist coaches. So, you know, what can we really expect from him? It's 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 a it's a tall order, isn't it? And it just kind of it kind of shows, I think, on the on the players that are taken to the pitch. That's certainly how it feels, anyway.
0: Yeah, it does. And coupled with that, you've got the announcement that Matt Sherrett's gonna be leaving at the end of the season. So there'll be yep. more upheaval. Admittedly there's a long way to go until then, but it just doesn't help in terms of stability, does it? No, it doesn't. And if and when you know that
1: the people that um you know coaches are moving on and they are gonna they're gonna they're gonna have moved away slightly in their heads as well, aren't they? Because they're only human, so Yeah, tough, tough times down there at the moment.
0: All right, let's move on. This one again from Ian Alexander, who I feel does more prep on this show than I do at the moment, which is much needed. Does it feel like we're closing in on the reveal of a Project Reset version 2? Pessimism in the region seems to be at an all-time high uh, alongside some proper loyal supporters. Is it just a Rugby World Cup hangover? Or is it because of the way the WRU treats the regions? Lots of stuff to get stuck into there, Dan. What about the the project reset thing? I mean, you could say it's version four or five here, but yeah, what do you what do you think? Is there a, another big revelation on the on the cards? Yeah, I'd say we're closer now
1: than than we ever have been, and it's it does look as if something's going to have to happen. I I was trying to think with myself that whether it was a it feels like a bit of a hangover after the, you know, after the World Cup, and there is mm. that. But this is, I think, this is bigger, isn't it? This yeah. certainly feels bigger than just a sort of lull after the World Cup.
0: Yeah, I, I think that definitely. I, I tell you what, I, if memory serves me correctly, the European competition didn't start as close together to the end of the World Cup in 2015. So I think that that might potentially have something to do with it. Of course, we went out a round earlier too, which would have would have had an impact. But then you think, you know, so many players got injured during that World Cup campaign, that that would have that would have probably had an effect. But it felt like it felt like a lot of the sides were in better nick at that point in time. You know, the Ospreys were probably still the, or were probably at that point the the most competitive side out of the Welsh regions. The Dragons felt like they were kind of turning a corner there. They'd had an encouraging run in the European Challenge Cup the season before. I'm trying to think what was going on with the Blues. I can't, really, can't really remember, but uh, yeah, you know, it was, it certainly didn't feel like it was as as pessimistic as this. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think we could be on the version of something. And the reason I, I say that is we've had this announcement of the money coming into the union rather than the regions. So that money yeah. coming into the union, which will be a big thing, how that's how that's divvied up and spent. I know a lot of people are unhappy about the amount of money coming back to the regions, What I would say is, I mean, let's be honest here. CVC are not investing in the regions, right? They are investing in four Welsh clubs or, you know, they're investing in Welsh, Irish and Scottish clubs. I honestly don't think they would care, CVC this is, if they shut down all the existing regions and the Welsh Rugby Union started, started, started up with four from scratch, you know, like they're doing in the cricket with the 100 or whatever, if they went, all right, we're going to have north, east, CBC wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter to them one jot as long as those sides were more competitive. That's what I think. And that's the reality of it is I don't think that, you know, I don't think CBC would have gone away and, and said, right, we're going to try and lure some sides away from the Pro 14 and create our own thing. So... I don't know. I, that's that's my that's my thoughts on it. I don't think that any of those regions are in a strong enough position to have gone out and got investment themselves. They are benefiting from the investment within the league and the WRU are the shareholders in that regard. So how how they how they spend that money? I, I get the I get the grievances. I get that you'd be annoyed, but like I said on last week's pod, I'd be you know I'd be worried. The way that some of the regions are recruited at the moment, they just go out and blow the money on on some side on some signings that don't necessarily make the long term difference so if this is to be a project reset v2 it's got to be much more sustainable i'm not saying rip up the existing regions personally i think we've got the four regions here and we've just got we just got to work with that so that that's my thought on it but I do think that that money has got to go into, has got to go into coaching, has got to go into the academies, and it's got to go into making a much more sustainable thing. We're not going to get another crack at this. No one else is going to invest here, right? That, that is just not going to happen. There's going to be no one else in the world in the next 10, 20 years. So the opportunity is here for CBC to invest, the clubs to, to put it into making themselves long-term much more sustainable. And then as the league grows or becomes the, Anglo, the Anglo-Celtic the Anglo league, whatever it might be, that's where you can see the revenues coming in and in and in. So we have to make this work. So you'd make some changes now? Do you think it's delaying the inevitable? What do you mean
1: by changes? Well, make some changes to the, you know, to, to, to the structures, to the setup, to the way in which we're we're
0: carrying things out at the moment. Mate, be specific. Come on, don't skirt around the issue. What are you after here? Would you merge? Would you merge the Ospreys and Scarlets? I personally wouldn't. No, I don't think I would. I, I just don't think. I don't think you can. I just. I think at the moment we are where we are with these four. And actually, this this leads us on to another one. Matt uh, Matt Armstrong had tweeted in and said, uh, "Interesting to hear the thoughts on Gatland's comments this week," and that. That kind of ties in with this. He's kind of suggested that, yeah, has suggested that. He's gone north, hasn't he? Yeah. I I don't, I mean, look, I'd love to see it, as in I'd love to see the north better represented, but do we think that there's enough support up there? I just don't know. I'd love to, I'd, I'd have to see more evidence that suggests that there is. I know there's a lot of people there, but it's not necessarily rugby heartland. Yes, you could be looking to try and steal players from kind of on the border too and look to grow it, but I don't know. I, I just it's love to like, I
1: love how long would that take? That that could almost be a bigger risk, couldn't it? Than Yeah, than actually than actually sort of merging, you know, merging you know, merging the Scarlets and I don't know, well, I could I I just
0: don't know how long that would take if we if we did have a region in the north to actually really come through. Yeah, exactly. I th- I think it would be in the short term you'd have to bring in a load. You'd have to create a side from scratch. So you'd have to spend so much, wouldn't you, initially to be competitive, probably. Mm. Yeah, I think you would. And so for, for me, I'd be Which much would then.
1: You, you know, you've got to look at whether or not that's then fair on the other, on the on the other regions then that are. You yeah. know that are that are, uh, that are left. So yeah, it's not. It's it's very. <laughs> It's quite—it's challenging, isn't it? It really is, as to know what to do because no one does know.
0: Yeah, I'd—I'd love to see you know perhaps a way of making the Scarlets more, more involved with that. I don't know what I—you know—I don't know what the, the logistics of it from a grassroots perspective. I don't know how much goes on there already, you know, in terms of bringing talent through from because Scarlets have got a massive catchment area if you look at it realistically is anyone in, in Wrexham who's into rugby gonna go over to Flanethley and watch it and watch a Scarlet side play? Probably not. Would there be an opportunity to take some stuff out on the road? I don't know whether that would help or not. But I, I don't know. I just I just think it's an almighty gamble to shut down to shut down one of these regions. Because really if you if you merged yeah we've we've seen these mergers happen before. I don't know. I, I'd be very worried if you suddenly went, right, okay, West Wales Are you going to get anyone from Clenetaly or Swansea going to watch that? I don't know. I really don't know. But, yeah, it's really, really tricky. And this is where things differ from Ireland, is Ireland has these historic provinces that have played rugby as, as sides in the past and they've gone on and been really successful. Whereas, you know, if you're creating something from scratch, having only created these sides however long ago it was, 17 years ago, I just, I just think you're facing an almighty, an almighty battle straight away. So, I don't know. I, for me, I'd be inclined to keep the four. What about you? I sort of tend to go,
1: go one way and then come back the other way. And I, I mean, at the moment it, it's not. We can't, we can't carry on as we are, can we? So, part of me
0: wonders whether
1: we'll. Part of me wonders whether we'll go down to three.
0: Do you? How does that work? Yeah. Who goes?
1: Well, I think it would be so. The, so Cardiff Blues would would st- would, would oh, dogs are going. Uh, Cardiff Blues would would remain as they are. I would say. Dragons would stay where they are, and then the the, the West you know the West Wales side would, would come together. So you know we nearly
0: saw it, didn't we, with the Ospreys and the Scarlets coming together yeah depending on whose account you listen to we we nearly saw it but so yeah it's really tricky i mean because the thing is again it, without looking at the the finances of all of the regions without knowing intimate details of it it's really really hard to say well this one's the most sustainable you know well, we you don't know
1: though that the regions n- n- none of them are in are in good health no none of them are none and of that's them. a fact yeah that they're not in they're not in a good shape at all are they so calls calls are going to have to be made and they they're not going to be they're not going to be popular are they
0: yeah i don't know but i think look the, if i think realistically this investment is the, is the absolute crucial bit how that money how that money gets invested i know people aren't going to like it but i think The reality is, is look. if the money is coming from the union, the union have got to figure out a way to make sure that they strengthen the regions for the long term with this cash. There's no point in going out and blowing it on a couple of signings. Yes, bringing some more experience into these sides. But at the same time, you have to be you have to be investing in the in the whole infrastructure and making sure that in the long run, these. You know, these regions work. I, I think you can. I think you can keep it at four with this new money. Again, that's just based on gut feel rather than having done the maths. But, How will that money last? Though? I mean, well, I mean, the thing is that money. That money is not there. They're not here to just go. Oh, look, we're going to give you a handout and hope that hope that the league gets better. This has to be a long term play in order to make sure that all of those sides become more competitive. What the hell are these noises? <laughs> that's the dogs the wolves have they gone temporarily yeah right uh so yeah look i think the they're investing this money in order for the for the product to grow right because let's be honest pro 14 now no one outside of any followers of the of those clubs is really interested you ask anyone in in england whether they'd watch a pro 14 game none of them will so they have to make that league stronger and a better product. It's bumbled its way through now. I think the reality is, is that we're going to end up with a, with a British league with that comes bigger TV deals. And that's, that's where the growth comes in, right? Because if these sides start winning, people will go and watch them again. You know, I think there was half decent crowd at, at, at the blues on Saturday night. And, certainly seemed to be a lot of youngsters in there but sadly the rugby was lacking you know if if that was a if that was a night and, and the arms park was rocking and they got a you know they they got a fantastic victory and played some great rugby then you know people are much more inclined to come back so that's that's what it's about you know CVC are going to want to see growth and that growth only comes if these sides get better you know what i mean yeah that's the way it's got to work so with the size getting better comes better sponsorship opportunities comes better broadcast deals uh, and potentially you know a, a bigger league to take part in and prize money and all these kind of things so that's that's where i see it so yeah look the money's not going to last forever but you use it in the short term to bring in a couple of steady squad strengthening signings with a bit more experience and in the long run you have much better coaching and much better infrastructure that produces you know because we are producing good quality players and you know, hopefully, this is going to be key to keeping them in Wales a bit longer, and making sure that they're they're a better, more more finished article. You know, if that if that happen if that keeps happening, then you know then the sides will get better.
1: Yeah, I just I I mean, see so you. You I just wonder whether keeping saying could be could could lead to the. To the death of everything, really. I, really? I think some. Yeah, I just feel that some. I can see why you go, you go down that route, but I do think that probably. I mean, where well, you said there that if you ask anyone, if you ask you know anyone in England whether they'd watch a Pro Fourteen game, and and the the answer's going to come back with you know no or mm. you know they're not interested. That's exactly the same for a lot of people that you speak to in Wales. Yeah. So would you would you then just not interested? So, you know, there there's us mentioned in England. We've got to look at Wales as well, haven't we? So the the actually the the product itself is not is not what people want. So then how do we if the product's not what people want, then we can't easily change that. It's gonna to have to come back to winning, isn't it? So if we win, then we'll 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 pick we we'll, we'll, we'll pick up additional people watching but that's
0: quite slow yeah it is but it, it, i don't I, I don't see what I what a short term you know are people gonna more are more people gonna go and watch you know another new brand new side if you merge the two sides out west I don't think they will you know if the Osprey started getting good again would some people who are you know are rugby fans in Swansea or even football fans in Swansea start going down there I think they would and you know, I think that I think that can well, you happen. I just
1: wonder, though, don't you, with a big, you know, re, you know, rebrand, you know, it'd be massively unpopular. But a rebrand, that re, you know, but everyone would have to be on board for this, and we can't do it because of the, because of what, because of, I suppose, because of who we are and and, and you know what's gone on in the past. But you wonder whether a, you know, massive rebrand, just a restructure of everything, um, whether whether that would have. Appeal There's a lot of a lot of hype surrounding it, wouldn't there? I can't see this happening, but and then whether or not that would lead to a to a better product commercially, and then the interest would would follow. But at the moment, I don't think anybody is uh, is remotely interested from a you know from a commercial perspective outside of CVC, and and then but it, it from a fan perspective as well. You've got you've got people that are you know rugby. Rugby supporters through and through—they're just not interested. And they, if I'm honest, and would rather
0: go and watch watch the local. You know, rather if go and honest, watch the man, local. They're coach. they're done. Like you're not you're not going to change their mind. They're dead. You know, in terms of. And I know that sounds sad and cynical, but you're not going to convince someone who doesn't believe in regional rugby to go and watch it. What you have to do is you have to get a generation of kids interested in the game, and that's that's harder than ever because there's more distractions. But I don't see how you know now you've got. Now you've been through that, probably the hardest part, and you've got kids coming in who don't remember, you know, don't remember Neath, but will, you know, will know, will have grown up watching the Ospreys, and they might be playing for the Ospreys Academy or. They might know people who, who will, and you then all of a sudden go, well, yeah, hang on, this doesn't it, this doesn't exist anymore. I, I I just can't see how that's going to help in the long run. So for me, I, I think you've you've just got you got to work with the the four that are there and and use that money to make them stronger in the long term. Mm. I just think from you know what sort
1: of attracts attracts youngsters and holds and, mm. and makes them want to go to games like we we. Yeah, look, at the, look at the look at the the Cardiff Blues game. Yeah, you, when the when the cameras scanned around, there was, mm. there was a lot of youngsters was there in the crowd. Yeah. yeah, but they could have, could they not be doing sort of things which are a lot, you know, more interactive with the youngsters and because they are the future and they? they're the key to to keeping keeping them involved, keeping them interested. And I don't know, from a commercial perspective, we just seem to be so far behind, don't we? And mm. some of the other leagues that don't need to be as sort of don't need to probably do what we do or what we could do because the product is obviously a lot better we need to we need to be a lot smarter don't we in, 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 the, in our approaches and some some of the things that we could come up with don't or don't you know don't cost the earth
0: mm-hmm. but
1: we need, I don't think we value the people that actually are going to these games and then looking at the youngsters and thinking right we need to re, we need to retain and and then attract as well uh, but, but but we've got to make sure that these guys that are coming through the gates actually want to come back yeah absolutely and and the, if I, we can't, and I'll almost have an exit in there that if we if we can't win because we have to be realistic with you know there's going to be a, a good number of losses in there what are we doing
0: to ensure that these guys are going to come back through and they've had a good time i think i do think it comes down to winning and being competitive that's that's the that's the major thing and i think all the other stuff is great and it does, it does make a difference but I think that's the thing. That's the nut you've got to crack. I mean, you've you've got to at least be competitive. And I'm not saying overnight. You know, I think like we said before, I'm not expecting like the Dragons, for example, to go from being where they were last season to being Saracens. But could they make that step up and be a Benetton? Yes. And if that's the case... There's a lot more pride in that side because, you know, every time they go out, they're going to be hard to beat. And that's the that's the the kind of increments I think you've got to go in. But anyway, look, we're not going to solve this one overnight. We've got loads more to, to crack on with. And yeah, let us know what you think. And you can do that by getting in touch with us on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. Uh, you can do it on Facebook or on Instagram as well. And we are going to get stuck into more questions after this very short break. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to The Attacking Scrum. Still got plenty more listeners' questions to get stuck into. So let's go with this one, Then We're just touching on Cardiff Blues there. This one's from Tom Harrison. How big of a blow is it for the the Blues to lose to essentially a second-string Tigers side? Yeah, it's a big blow, that. I watched that game,
1: and Cardiff Blues were very poor there, Basically, there are what they ended up doing was passing the ball along the line, and hoping for, you know, hoping for uh, Halaholo to to create something really. And there was it, it was it was as we've said so many times, just passing the ball along the line, and and it was very little, very little uh, sort of very very, well, very little else coming coming from it really. A couple of good cross kicks that. They came through from it, but they didn't mix and and vary their their game plan. The ball was too slow as well. That obviously, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and spin the ball out wide as quick, you need you need you need fit, you need quick ball, and it was slow. It was just a really disappointing. I, th- I thought it was a really sort of disappointing result, really, because Cardiff Blues should never have lost that game. Albeit they did play, I thought they they played pretty poorly. Um, passing as well, I thought was was really substandard. Mm. Uh, a lot of sort of passes going up high above the head and
0: balls hitting the deck. It was just, it just didn't look great, really. First half, I thought they were pretty average, like you say, spinning the ball and hoping Halaholo could do something. And he went off after 20 odd minutes. After that, it looked very, very flat. Second half was was really woeful. And, you know, you said they're spinning the ball along the line. Hey, I, they, they played that kick pass so many times cross field. And I know, that you know, a couple of times it almost came off for Amos, but even then it didn't go to hand and it was a bit of a, you know, swing the boot at it and he almost got on the end of it. It just looked, they, they played so deep that it made it very, very easy for the Tigers. You know, they knew what they were going to do. They were going to go for, they were going to go and try and play it for deep and, and have to make that massive line break. And the only time they started in the second half to show a bit of a bit of go forward is when there was a couple of carries and a couple of pick and goes from Will Boyd and uh, and Lloyd Williams and stuff. So it, uh, that really was a poor performance. Yeah, and the pick also- and goes and the, and, the, and the snipes
1: round when they when they played in fairly tight were effective, weren't they? Just didn't do it often enough because they mm. they'd gone wide so early. The um, the lesser defence, it, they weren't defending the, the the narrow channels that well. So I just thought it was they were quite was quite naive in mm. in their approach to the game, and they didn't also use any of the wingers coming in on the inside balls, which I think would have caused them damage. So poor poor performance should have been a it should have been a comfortable win.
0: It really should have been. <laughs> yeah, it should have. and even then, you know, it was still there. Having played poorly, it was it was still ready for ready for the taking, I thought. And so it was a really, really disappointing result, especially having, you know, I just think, like I said, they've had a really poor start in the league and to be able to go out there and and put together two wins out of two, you know, you look just down the road in Newport and there's a, a renewed sense of optimism at the Dragons because, OK, well, look, there's something to believe in now. It's a bit of a European run. And we know the Blues have got great heritage in, in the Parker Pen. So to put together two from two, which should have happened... At least then, you know, you you know you'll be getting a few more a few more people through the gate later on in the yeah. tournament. Especially in front of a fairly decent you know, yeah. fairly decent crowd as well.
1: Um, old rivalry, you know, against a Leicester and English mm. side. Just it,
0: it really needs to be a win, doesn't it? It did. I tell you one thing. I will say though, and again, you know, like a lot of people say, yeah, said it's a second string side, and it, you know, it was. But you still you look at that and, and tell me that that Thomas Lavanini would be a second string, a second string at any of the regions. Yeah. They are. They would be crying out for a uh, Lavanini, you know. And I know the rest of the side has
1: had, had a lot of youngsters, youngsters playing, this, but they mate,
0: had a, but they had a spine of, they had a they spine did. of experience in there. Genge, I thought had a great game. You've got Lavanini in the row. Then you've got like Guy Thompson in the in the yeah. back row, who's a really wily competitor. And you know, this uh, to be fair, Leicester are a side that's struggling in the league. They had a stinking season last season. But again, it does kind of go to show that that golf in the golf in terms yeah of the they've
1: squads. still got quality they've got quality and even the youngsters are quality. But I thought they were. I mean, Leicester didn't they didn't play. They didn't play much rugby at all, did they? Really, didn't play any. Really, they uh, they just sort of stuck in the fight, tackled well, were, were mm. aggressive, but there wasn't much coming there. So they'll be, uh, yeah, they'll be uh, a big loss. I thought that uh, Alex Summerhill
0: went well again, didn't he? Uh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> a big big fan of him. I think he's, he's so lively, and he almost scored as he always seems to do, but. Yeah, again, you're just relying on moments of individual brilliance, really, rather than a, a cohesive team unit. Which, really, you know, prior to this season, we've not been accustomed to at the Blues. Generally, their backs have fired well, even if they've been munched up front. The backs have, have looked like a good unit, and they and they just they didn't on Saturday night. Yeah, no, they did. They, yeah, you
1: think that uh, the difference that Antscan would have made if he if he was there uh fairly obvious point but he the, the way in which he straightens up that line was was definitely needed and you just think if there was if there was someone there running the inside running running towards the inside shoulders we i, I honestly feel we would have that we would have probably seen two or three more tries from from the Cardiff blues and that would have brought the pack the pack into the game as well mm. it was almost like the backs were playing one way. And the forwards belonged to a different side. It just—it yeah. it was a big disconnect. Uh, and ultimately, you know, when when that ball was just being passed along the line with the Cardiff Blues in the last couple of minutes, minutes, and just before the just before the penalty was given, I had a feeling that it was this—it was, was going to happen. Yeah, I, just I did. thought, Hang on. There's one pass. There's going to be another pass, and something's not—it's not, not going to
0: go their way here. And it didn't, and there we are. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. You, you could see it happening from a from a mile but you know they've they've got to then go and back it up. I just think it takes so much pressure off Mulvihill if they put together a cup run, because people can at least get behind it. And go, oh well, you know, we're, you know, at least at least Europe's going well. It now puts miles more pressure on um uh, on the on their domestic form, they've got to now start stringing together some results. And yes, there'll be some, you know, a couple of internationals to come back into the fold. And obviously Navidi and Jenkins are injured at the moment, but it just it piles the pressure on. Yeah. It does it also helps with the,
1: the fringe players, doesn't it? When they've got, they've got a, a real, a real focus on a campaign. The Cardiff Blues have always liked this tournament, haven't they? So um, it will be, it will be a blast, a lot, you know, blow. they would have been definitely targeting a, a win there, you know, home win against Leicester, which would have, which would have set them up nicely then. But it um, would have. It's not. To be, it
0: wasn't meant to be. It wasn't. All right. Let's have a look at the Dragons now. I was just going to say, down the road uh, this weekend, they were far from being down the road. They were out in Russia, and uh, a game that I watched hilariously. Dan, having had another rant last week about how hard it is to to watch these games and it shouldn't be this hard in the 21st century Uh, i watched that one with russian commentary on which was interesting uh didn't pick up didn't pick up a great deal it has to be said but the dragons did pick up a a winning bonus point out there and you know had a really good second half kind of ran away with it we've had this question in from ricky ford we all found it impossible to pick the wales back road pre-world cup could the same be said for the Dragons with everyone fit? What's the Dragons starting six, seven, eight? What is it, Jess? Who's I thought in about this earlier. The Dragons back row. I genuinely you... think it's Wainwright, Griffiths, Basham. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think I think you'd leave out Moriarty in that scenario. Cool, behind me. It's a big call. Cool. You know, you know, someone's I mean, look, the reality is, is that that, you know, that would be a headline maker if he wasn't picked for a big game. But at the same time, A, he's going to be off with Wales a lot. B, he's going to need to be managed carefully and C, even if everyone's fit and you can pick from all those players the player coming off the bench is going to be getting half an hour anyway so whether it was Moriarty coming off the bench or it was Griffiths or Basham or whoever you've got some you know some real quality coming off the bench but that would be mine what would yours be? I suppose
1: injuries aside I mean Griffiths has suffered terribly isn't he with injuries mm. and you think you hope that, that they're not going to continue but I think you know the way in which he plays is extremely likely isn't it that he's going to pick up a lot of injuries moving forward and possibly for the rest of his career, but I
0: would they'll certain... your time there <laughs> well, it's not an easy one, is it no one's going no one's going to hold you to it you you're will. not
1: actually making this decision. <laughs> There will be certain games that I would be starting Los Moriarty in. But okay. I would say that there, there would be more games that I'd be happy with the back row that you chose okay. than, uh, than not. So, yeah, we're sort of on the same page there. Yeah.
0: Okay. Sticking with a similar similar theme, Matt A. Williams, would you keep Moriarty at the Dragons if you were in charge or would you spend it on some more players? I would, I would,
1: i would let him go, sell him, and and bring in, you know, bring in some money and spend it. You know, so, um, so,
0: it? Yeah, I mean, I'd be, do- I'd be doing, I'd be doing the same thing. I, I think you have to, you have to look at that squad overall. And I think this sounds harsh on Moriarty. And I think what I'd like to do is apply a bit of balance here because. I think, you know, I think he's a great player. I'm a massive fan of Moriarty and you can't expect him to come into the Dragons, particularly last season and turn them into world beaters. I think he's coming. I don't really think he's done much wrong. I think he's, he's been used for Wales extensively at eight during this time as well. So that takes a lot out of him. He had a horrendous injury after the Lions tour as well. So, you know, he's, he's had to be managed carefully, but that said, you know, was he the right signing in the first place? I think the one area where Dragons did have options and still do, obviously, is is in the back row. So, you know, I think realistically, Moriarty may be moving to somewhere like the Ospreys, where they, you know, where they definitely need an eight or need a big, powerful back row forward, would probably be a good move for them. And I think the Dragons, yeah, to, to reinvest that salary into, uh, you know, second row, tight-head prop, Few of these key positions to make them more competitive across the field would be my approach. Yeah, I mean it'd be great to keep him
1: because there's going to be injuries, and you need, you know, you don't just need, you, know, you need a good number of back row, back row players, don't you, to have different options and to adapt to different different sides. But because he's going to be away a lot with, a lot with uh, with Wales as well, and he's another one that is, is injury prone dragons are crying out you know for second row and front rowers so when you're looking at that as a whole yeah the the money could be could be very very well spent in in those positions couldn't it in the type five
0: yeah i definitely i definitely think that's the case um yeah absolutely so yeah i mean it's it's hard you know picking up yeah tight head props and second rows can pretty much name their price these days but you know that's 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 why is because they make such a difference, particularly at club level. So that that'd be where I'd be looking to do. It. And look, you know, look at it, I said exactly the same thing about about Cardiff Blues. Why they've signed Hallam Amos and Josh Adams rather than signing players in the in the, in the engine room, I I think is a is a big mistake. But you know. That that is that's why I'd be kind of going down this road and looking to and looking to address that. Let's stick with transfers for a minute, Dan. This one's from Robert Giannotti. If the big money rumours about a move for Rick are true, do you think he'll go or stay in Wales uh, and be available for all camps, matches, etc., uh, and get Alan wynne Jones' level of rest to prolong his career? It's a very very interesting point. I
1: I don't think he'd go. No, no. I think he's. I think he's a homeboy. Uh, I think he, he. He's very, very settled, isn't he? Where he is, he's got. You know, he's enjoying a bit of coaching as well. I just can't really see Tipperick leaving. But if he did go, mm. I, I, you know, there's nothing that could be said. Is there for what he's, you know, for what he's given, and you know, be going. If he's on if he's gonna be taking that sort of wage, it's, it's gotta be I don't know, it's gotta be probably doubling
0: what he's on, isn't it? Or oh, yeah, I'd imagine comfortably. Uh, I, I could see it happening, you know. I think if it was Bristol, I could see that happening. They're a side on the up, they're you know, they've invested a lot in talent. They've got a fantastic coach and a great coaching setup. They seem to be hugely ambitious. So yeah. You know, I could I could see him I could see him doing that and and making the move over there because then you know if it was Bristol because he could travel he could, yeah well, yeah exactly because he, he could still um he could still be based in Wales could still be coaching at chabanos if he wanted to and uh, you know the, obviously the thing that is, that is different is as the, as the question points out he would be flogged in terms of those games and I don't know I just I, I do think that. I do think that you couldn't blame him if he did, and oh no, you couldn't. No, didn't. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't blame you. Couldn't blame him at all. Okay, so you think he might go then? I think he might. Yeah, I. Ju- I just you know given, again, you know, if you're making these decisions right now, it's very very difficult with the a lot the of Welsh form boys. The there right, There's there. a lot of Welsh boys there. You know, it feels like a. You know, it feels like it feels like a a, a very interesting move. And yeah, you know, but you're right. He is a very very loyal guy and. That that might that might come into play, you know. If
1: it is true and conversation yeah. happening, I'm sure there'll be there'll definitely be some heavy conversations in the in the Tipperary household, I'm sure. But <laughs> about it, um, you look at all the off-field stuff as well, don't you? And what a totally different place Bristol are, are, are at and in. Mm. And that's that's that will be draining on you, won't it, mentally as well, just all the stuff that's going
0: on off the field. So Yeah, yeah we'll have that, to wait we'll have to think, wait and see. That's the thing is it has to become a more settled environment and you know, with all with all the with all the regions really, you have to you have to show that there is there's gonna be that kind of improvement there and you know, he's got a couple of years left. I'd actually Korea. love to see Joe, I'd love
1: to see as well how he performed there. Oh, I think he'd tear it up. I think he'd absolutely tear he it up. Would. Yeah, but it would be great to watch him, wouldn't it? I know it would be very, very sad if he did go to see him leaving, you know, leaving the Ospreys and leaving, leaving one of the Welsh regions. But it would also be amazing to see how uh, to see how he performs there.
0: Yeah, no, it, it would. And, and like I say, I've I no doubt that where, wherever he were to end up, I think he'd, he'd do a fantastic job. I'm such a big fan of his. Right, a couple more of these to fly through. Dan, this one's from Gareth Hughes. Couple of points here. Firstly, Dean Ryan's impact at the Dragons—it's been, you know, it, it seems to have been pretty impressive. I know we can't, we can't get carried away with this, and I'm try, I'm trying not to, but certainly seems like we've seen the the impact of having an experienced coach in with, you know, with a, a crop of talented youngsters. It seems like it's bought some structure and the ability to to generally keep themselves in games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get carried away with it. I think it's great. I think he's done he's done a brilliant job so far, isn't he? From, from, from where I'm sitting. So
0: really, yeah, really exciting to see what he can do now. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I think we'd, I think we'd win the Russian league. 100%. I think so. Yeah. You know, maybe that's something, maybe that's something to, maybe that's something for us to look into. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I think, I think it's been really, I think it's been really encouraging so far. Got to, got to back it up now though. You know, just got to keep moving, keep moving in the right direction. And I, like I say, I think what this, this is a result of experience. And I think, you know, I think he is, I think he is a good coach. I said, I know there were a fair few people underwhelmed when he got the appointment. I think we said though, that he does bring, he does have a habit of, of creating good competitive sides having done it at Worcester and Gloucester. And I think that, you know, that's, that's hopefully what he's on the, the verge of doing here. Now, if he were to leave the Dragons in three, three years time, and they were a comfortable mid-table side, pushing for the odd playoffs, plus having a good European run, maybe a couple of appearances in the Champions Cup. People would be delighted, you know. They'd say he's done a brilliant job. So, look, I think it's it's a good start, and hopefully we can build on it. Sticking with coaching, though, this this again, is still from Gareth Hughes. Uh, what do we think about Pivac's new brains trust? So, again, obviously, kind of looking at the, the Warburton appointment, Martin Williams coming in as team manager as well. Do we need to bring in a scrum doctor to help John Humphreys, possibly Adam Jones? Well, the first case, okay, so the first
1: point regarding appointing Martin and Sam Warburton, then... I mean, they seem to be good appointments, don't they? But, but when, when you know, time will tell, won't it? mm um, it's, it''s it's a lot of change isn't it with you know, with all the coaches changing and you know these appointments being made so it, it, it they, they probably had to do that as well I and mean, they need to you know when a, when a new coach in a new head coach comes in he needs to bring to bring his own guys in and make you know make a lot of changes but martin williams a great footballer Unbelievable player, one of my favourites of all time, and um, mm. you know Sam. Well, we all know what Sam can
0: do. So, yeah, it's, it, hopefully there'll be really good appointments. Yeah, good I good mean, the Martin Williams. On, I, I, if I'm honest, I don't know enough about what the team manager does. You know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to logistics and overseeing overseeing those kind of things. So, you know, I, I don't know. Like you say, he's one of the best footballers you've ever seen, but. I, you know, I don't know really what he's been doing enough um, since since he's finished playing. I, I don't know if you you're able to shed any light on that, but hopefully he'll be able to do a good job in there. And, yeah, you know, I, I said my piece on Warburton last week. I think that's a good, um, I think that's a really solid appointment. Yes, thrown in at the, the deep end, but I think he is one of those players who's that insightful that he'll be able to bring, to bring something to the dressing room straight away. Yeah. Yeah, you need like I, I'm assuming that a
1: big part of Martin's role will be sort of like a supportive, a supportive role, won't it? And be able to you know chat to the guys and just offer, you know, offer them a lot of support, uh, you know, on and off the pitch. Which which he will. You know, he's been around. You know, he's been around the game for a long, long time, isn't he? And just almost being like a mentor, really. I suppose. So I'm quite excited by by him being around the around the camp, um, almost more so than Warburton, if I'm honest. So, yeah. Interesting.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's finish on this one. Sorry, we haven't been able to get through all of these questions tonight, but this is a good one to finish on. This is from Warren. With the emergence of Welsh players in the English not League... Gatland. <laughs> no, not Gatland. <laughs> uh, at least I don't think so. With the emergence of Welsh players in the English League, I uh, thinking uh Ewan Lloyd, Sheedy, Reece Sammet, how can we keep them in the Welsh system? Do we need better links with colleges in Wales, like the Hartbury model? Very, very interesting.
1: Yeah, certainly. I guess the does it come back? Does it come back? To, it almost comes full circle. Maybe does it the 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 product that we've got or haven't got the the sort of. The schooling, maybe, and the way in which the way in which we do things in Wales, as opposed to, you know, over the over mm. the bridge, the money that's there. It's usually, this is uh, this is what it comes down to. You know, it's, it's, there's a number of things, aren't they? They're going to have a are going to have an effect on this. But there's certainly we need to have a good look at it because there's a lot of players that are. That a lot of Welsh players that are playing over the bridge, aren't they applying their trade there?
0: This for me is the is all about the the Exiles model, I think. And that's where that's where this Exiles program has to work. And you've got to be straight away into these players. If they have slipped through the net, you've got to be straight, you know, think about the national setup. And you know, some of these players look classy enough to play. I, I know Sheedy is Sheedy has uh, not been committed about whether he wants to play for Wales or not, I don't think. And his last it, honors were for England, weren't they? I think they were At the younger, yeah, age grade. But you know that obviously that doesn't that doesn't rule him out. But no, anyway, you know, yeah, I, I think there's yeah. there's there's loads of there's loads of Welsh talent out there, and we have to make sure that they want to play for Wales and getting them back and you know getting them uh, capped by the uh, by the under twenties and locking them in and I think that's really important. If there's a way of bringing them back, to, you know, how much would a player like uh, like like Lloyd be strengthening any of the regions right now? I think that that would be a lot. Um, so again, you know, I know the the um, the selection policy has been unpopular to a certain degree, but if it is that one of those things that that we're able to lure people back, um, lure people back to Wales with, then I think that's great. And uh, you know, some of these boys look really, really quality. So I think the Exiles program definitely has. Um, Has a lot to play in it, and then yeah, from there, you know, I think you know, going back to what we were saying about putting some of that CVC money into infrastructure and coaching, and making sure that they really feel that they can see that pathway through to you know through to whatever their their home region is, and going right, this is the side I want to play for, and here's how I'm going to make sure that we do it, and so i think i think a lot of it comes down to that links with links with the colleges is probably a very very sound way of doing that i think i think that's really again i i wouldn't know enough about how much of that goes on right now but that feels like it's a, it's a very easy win yeah there seems to be i mean we've always had a lot a good number of welsh players haven't we playing
1: in in um playing in england but it seems mm. to be at the moment i don't know whether that, there's more media coverage on it at the moment, or whether or not there is more players playing over the bridge, but it certainly seems to be a lot more than than I can ever
0: remember. Um, I think it's a, and lot, a lot of the making headlines as well. I, I think it's a lot more younger players who are showing a great deal of potential, rather than necessarily, you know, you think you know, like a player like maybe Dav James went over and played for Sale and Harlequins, and I'm thinking things like you know Andy Moore playing Harlequins. You know, there's always been a lot of players, but I think the fact that these are very young players right at the start of their career is what makes it interesting. And most of the, most of the English clubs have some young Welsh talent playing at them. So I think it's really important. The fact that it's not necessarily a bad thing either, you know, getting experience with different coaches, different leagues. I I don't think that's a bad thing at all, but it's also young, but, and they're again, they're exposed Jed. as well, aren't they? They're getting
1: game time. They're making, you know, they're making, you know, really good line breaks or, you know, try saving tackle or a, a, you know, scoring every week, so they're
0: they're being played. They're young and, and they're making an impact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the interesting thing, and the thing I'd really like to get the bottom of, is is why they left the system in the first place. That is the thing I would that, that needs to get that needs to get addressed. Because yeah, you know, Davis is good enough to be playing for Bristol, and like we said, they've got all the money in the world. Uh, without going into salary caps and things, but you know, if he's good enough to play there, why didn't it? Was it Cardiff? I think he was, he was Cardiff Blues, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, you know, why is it that he couldn't see that pathway to getting into the first team there? We well, I mean, it's been talked about, has not it, before?
1: But Josh Adams, he was, he was in the, he was in the setup, wasn't he? And then, I mean, he was simply and, let go, wasn't he? I think, and they, was released and let go. Yeah. yeah. But we've, 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 there's, there's been a number of these cases, isn't there? The players are playing, teams not good enough, and then. Have gone over to England and played, and have uh, their careers have, have, have really
0: taken off. Yeah, and I, you know that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think you would. I, I can't remember. I think it was perhaps Murph we spoke to a couple of times about you know about Thomas Young, and really when he left Cardiff, it was no it was no great shakes, and he's gone and worked hard and improved his game massively. And you know, well, he same can't as get, Will Griffith.
1: Will Griffrey yeah. uh, sorry, Will Griffith Sean. Yeah. He um, yeah, he, he's you know, he's he's a he's a real uh, you know, he's somebody that we'd that we'd want back now, definitely. But at the time at which he went, people were quite
0: yeah, they weren't too disappointed then that he was that he was going. So, and I think that's that's always going to be the case. Is there's going to be players who develop at a different stage in their career, and if you're going and doing it with some great players in in England and some good coaches, then I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. I think it's the it's the younger players going now. Nah, not for me. You know, something like Reese Carey leaving. To, I know it's Saracens, but nonetheless. I, I think he I think he's left there because he he wanted more first team rugby and wasn't getting it. And we've seen throughout the World Cup, Gallan's gone, yeah, he's good enough. He's good enough now, get him in. And he's he's proven what massive potential he's got. So that's the bit that's the bit that I think is a bit worrying and addressing that straight away. If you are good enough and you're not getting the opportunity, then that's the bit that becomes a bit worrying. And uh, you know, like we said, all of these all of these regions are struggling for strength and depth. So having people leave to go over the over the bridge and apply and play their trade there—that's the bit that I think needs to be needs to be addressed. I'm with you. Awesome. Well, look, that should that should do us for this week. It brings us to the end of another attacking scrum podcast. Apologies if we had a bit of problems with the audio again. We are we are working on these things. Uh, get get
1: some of now. now, Jed, for
0: uh, get for some that, for our voice. Get some throws so squeaks for that voice. Cause, I tell you what, Dan. If I, I hang up, if I hang up now and it's still doing the squeaky recording, then <laughs> I'm I, I'm going to jump in the river. Um, if, if if it has, you've got to send it out anyway. Because... Oh well, I will. I've got a choice. <laughs> I've got a choice. But hopefully it has. I'm off. I'm off again. But uh, yeah, anyway, thanks for listening. Let us know uh, your thoughts on any of these issues by tweeting us at Attacking Scrum. You can do the same on Facebook or on Instagram as well. And of course, big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. And you can get some coffee at Uk if you want to do that. And uh, yeah, help yourself get up in the morning as it's as it's doing for me right now but dan and i will be back to chat rugby with you very very soon we've got more internationals to talk about with the barbarians game next week as well and of course we'll keep up to date with all the club rugby so thanks for listening to attacking scrum we'll be back next week
1: actually no it's gone back no it's still sort of you sound incredibly
0: nasal and high-pitched <laughs> um <laughs> bloody hell right, let me right, i'm just gonna listen to that and see what it sounds like um if i don't ring you back in one minute ring me back all right yeah yeah okay. this is actually <laughs> it's taken it <laughs>